0: On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, what will Quinn Ewer's stat line look like in 2023? You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, in the first segment, we are guessing when you were stat line for the 2023 season. In the second segment, we are reacting to an article from 24-7 Sports, Chip Brown, on how the running back rotation Might work for the Texas Longhorns in 2023. And last but not least, some NIL updates. We talk about Arch Manning's first NIL project. Jake Major signing with Lamborghini and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And if you enjoy the show, you're watching on YouTube, please like, please subscribe, whether it's audio or video. I'm thankful for all of your support. So over the weekend um, inside Texas, Put together an article predicting when you were stat line. It may have came before the weekend, but I saw it over the weekend and I thought it was a really cool article because what they did was they took certain over and unders and I'm not sure if they got these from the betting market or they created them themselves, but they created some pretty fair over unders for Quinn Ewers, and then the entire staff reacted to it in terms of over or under or gave their prediction and maybe gave a small reason as to why they thought one or the other. So, you know, I thought that I would come on Locked On Longhorns and add my insight to it. It was a really cool article from Inside Texas. And so this is my, you know, take on it. I'm going to give you the over-unders that they presented, and then I'm going to answer over-under based on what I think Quinn Ewers will do this season. We know that the offense should be a lot better. Quinn Ewers in year two should be a lot better in the system, right? And we've heard a lot of good things throughout the offseason, but we haven't seen anything anything tangible yet outside of the spring game because they haven't played any football game. So we know that he'll be better, but how better will he be when the lights come on and everything starts to happen at game speed, right? We'll see. So last year, in when Yours, I guess, red shirt freshman year. He essentially was a true freshman and had missed so much time because of, you know, foregoing his senior year and the injury he had, you know, his junior year. But he threw for 2,177 yards, 58% completion percentage, 15 passing touchdowns, and six interceptions did add a rushing touchdown to that as well. And when you looked at his stat line last year, it wasn't spectacular, right? And he was one of the highest graded recruits ever to come out of high school, you know, such a talented quarterback with NFL arm talent, undoubtedly. So you expected a little bit more in his first season, but this is typically the type of season you see from young, inexperienced quarterbacks. And so now you're hoping in year two under Steve Sarkeesian, you'll start to see the big jump, you know, and he'll have one of the better seasons from a quarterback in college football in 2023. So the first metric that they used was 65% completion percentage over under. Right. And I think most of the guys on inside Texas said that he would go over. And I struggle with this one because he completed 58 percent of his passes last year and he's definitely going to be better. But seven percent is a huge jump. And I think sixty five percent plus you're starting to talk about the best and most accurate quarterbacks in college football. And I know that Quinn Ewers is going to be better. But how about right? How much of a jump is he going to take? Is he going to be a field general type of quarterback or is he still going to be a gunslinger? That's going to take a lot of chances, but get away with some because we have a really talented offense. So at first I was like, uh, I would probably take the under or push on the 65 percent. But I was like, let me look at the only data we have, which was last year. And surprisingly, he actually threw for 65 percent or more in terms of completion percentage in pretty much all of his games. So he had 57 percent against Kansas, 43 percent against TCU, 58 percent against Kansas State. 38% against Oklahoma State. So that was a bad stretch. All four of those games were in a row. Every other game, he threw for 65% completion percentage or higher, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six of his 10 games, 60%. He threw for 65% completion percentage or higher. We expect this offense to be better. He has more weapons around him. He should be better himself. Steve Sarkeesian will be better. So looking at last year and last year's data, I'm going to say he goes over 65% completion percentage for the entire season in year two for Quinn Ewers. The second one is over under 3,300 yards passing. And I'm not sure if this is an official betting line on any betting site. If somebody sees that, let me know so I can hammer it. Because I think he goes over this by two, 300 yards, at least, you know, last year he was at 2,177. He missed you know, a few games. I think this year Texas will be playing in more games because they'll be in the Big 12 Championship. So 3,300 3, 300 yards passing is only 235 yards per game over 14 games. He could throw for 235 yards in the first half against Rice in Wyoming, and there's going to be some other games where they just air it out. If Texas is trailing, At any point in the game, he's going to have to air it out. And, you know, we just talk about all the talent you have, all the mismatches you can create against defenses. But A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy, J.T. Sanders, Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Nayor, and then all of the other talented receivers you have, plus the running backs that can catch out of the backfield. We know that Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best in the country at getting people open down the field. This is going to be an explosive passing offense, hopefully one of the 10 best in the country. And if it is, and we play in 14 games, including the Big 12 championship game and a bowl game, we knock on wood because I'm still hoping that happens, right? But they got to go play the games. But if that happens, I don't see any scenario in which Quinn Ewers can't throw for 3,300 yards. Like I said, I don't know if Inside Texas came up with that or the betting Insights came up with it. But if you see 3,300 yards, For Quinn Ewers on any betting site, please let me know because I will go put as much money on it as I can. I don't even like futures bet, but I like that one, right? I don't like future bets, but I like that one. 3,300 yards passing. I think Quinn Ewers goes over that fairly easily. 25 passing touchdowns. So, last year he had 15 in the 10 games that he played. And... Yeah. I mean, I I just don't see a scenario in which he can't throw for more than 25 passing touchdowns. Right. If we're talking about potentially a Heisman level season, we're talking about one of the most explosive offenses in the country. That's not even two passing touchdowns a game. You know, I mean, like, I just think that this offense is too explosive. You have too many weapons on the offensive side of the ball. We've seen Xavier Worthy catch 12 touchdowns in a season without great quarterback play, right, without Quinn Ewers. And so now you're telling me that there's a chance Quinn Ewers won't throw for 25 passing touchdowns with all of the weapons he has on the offensive side of the ball with Steve Sarkeesian calling plays. plays. So I don't know if Inside Texas came up with these or the sites came up with these, but I absolutely think he'll go for over 3,300 yards passing and he will go for over 25 passing touchdowns. And I could see maybe why you would come up with those metrics because when you do look at – Last year, Quinn Ewers had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six different games. He did get injured in the Alabama game. But even outside of that, he had five different games where he threw for less than 200 yards. But I think that was just more so a function of him not being ready and our offense not reaching his true potential last year. And we still kind of ended up with a wide receiver problem, as talented as the room was going into the season. None of those problems exist this year. 3,300 yards, 25 passing touchdowns. That should be easy for Quinn Ewers to meet. Over under 10 interceptions. This was another tough one for me, similar to the completion percentage one, because I was like, how much has he tangibly grown, right? And is he still going to rely so much on that arm talent and maybe shaky in terms of mechanics and footwork, or is all of that going to be cleaned up in one offseason, right? I think Quinn Ewers has all the talent in the world, and I think he knows he has all the talent in the world, and I think he'll still be a gunslinger, right? The question is, will he be a cleaned up gunslinger? And Last year, in less than a full season, he threw six interceptions. And I think 10 interceptions is a lot, even if you play 14 games. That's still a lot, right, in college football, because you would expect when you were to be able to dominate, you would expect him throughout the majority of the schedule to not throw an interception in games and protect the ball. So I think 10 and 14 games wouldn't be detrimental. It wouldn't be a bad season, but it would be a significant amount of pits. He threw six last year, and my gut is telling me that he's going to throw 10 interceptions this year. But I'm going to go under. I'm going to go against my gut. And I just think that this offense will be too good. I think that they'll jump on teams too early. I think there's going to be a lot of games, maybe not a lot, but at least four games where Quinn Ewers really doesn't play in the fourth quarter. And I think he's going to be efficient enough. I think he's going to have enough easy in short reads, right? I think there's going to be so much open on the back end that he's always going to have somewhere to go and he's not going to have to force too much this year that he does not end up throwing 10 interceptions. But my gut is telling me that he will. My gut is telling me that he's still a 10-interception quarterback. I'm going against my gut and saying that he does not do it This season over under two rushing touchdowns. So he had one touchdown last year. And obviously, that's something that's always going to be an option on the goal line, especially when you're accounting for all of these receivers, tight ends and running backs, right? You're not going to have a quarterback spy on Quinn Ewers, right? You also have to factor in maybe, you know, quarterback sneak on the goal line, you know, a la Jalen Hurts, right? That's something that always can happen. But if you're saying over or under two rushing touchdowns, you're either saying one or three. And I don't think he will have either. So I'm going to push. I really don't even think he'll have two rushing touchdowns, but I think that's a way safer bet than saying he'll only have one, which we had last year when he missed multiple games and we're going to play more games this season. So I think he finds a way to get in the end zone twice this year with his legs, but not three times. I'm pushing on that over under two rushing touchdowns. And the last question, yes or no, first team all big 12. I'm going yes. I know that the preseason pick was Jalen Daniels. A few guys on the inside Texas staff said that Jalen Daniels will be first team because he'll having a really, really explosive season. And he's somebody that's probably going to throw for 3000 yards and maybe rush for close to 1000. Right. So that is a really good season in college football. And that's certainly worthy of being first team all big 12. But we saw last year, that Max Duggan got first team all Big 12 quarterback, and he was a Heisman favorite because of team success. If Texas is the best team in the Big 12, and Quinn Ewers has a really good stat line, which based on this exercise, I think that he will, right? If he throws for over 3,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, and Texas is the best team in the Big 12, then Quinn Ewers should be first team all Big 12, regardless of how many yards, Jalen Daniels runs for how electric he looks while he's doing it, right? If Texas has three, four more wins than Kansas, then there's no question in my mind that Quinn Ewers should and will be the first team all big 12 quarterback this season for your Texas Longhorns. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we're talking about a mock running back rotation that Chip Brown from Horns 24/7 put together. For our championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. So that was a really good article from Inside Texas. Of course, they do good work. I'm sure mostly everybody listening is familiar with Inside Texas. Um, and Horns 24 7 does a really good job as well. Uh, and Chip Round, I think last week, or this was on the 28th, so on Friday. Uh, put out a story trying to project the running back room for 2023. And kind of over the offseason, we've learned that Jonathan Brooks will be the bell cow and he'll be the starter. But we still kind of have, I don't want to say some anxiety, but we still have question marks about what the running back rotation would look like. You know, I think last year was more defined. You had Bijan, you had Roshan. They were getting the ball 60% of the time in this offense, right, with a little bit of Keelan Robinson sprinkled in. But I think now you just have too much talent in this running back room to say, oh, okay, it's going to be Jonathan Brooks, Cedric Baxter, or Jaden Blue, and then just a little sprinkle of one other running back, right? you got Savion Red, who needs to get some touches. you got got uh, Keelan Robinson, who is still a leader on this football team and needs to get some touches. So how will this running back room, how will the carries be distributed in 2023, right? That's something that I have been able, you know, I have yet to be able to figure out and, you know, bless Chip Brown's heart. <laughs> you know, he tried it and and put it on wax and put it on the internet, and I thought he did you know a really good job for the most part. So we're gonna react to that, and I'll tell you where I agree or disagree. So he starts with Jonathan Brooks, who uh, will be you know the starter for this football team, and you know Steve Sarkeesian has you know bumped his chest and and patted his back a few times, you know, saying that every year that he is called. Uh, offense at the college level he's had a thousand yard rush and i would think that this year would be no different and jonathan brooks seems like the most likely candidate to reach a thousand yards on the ground for steve sarkisian and the texas longhorns this year chip brown is projecting his stat line to look like 230 carries 1288 yards 5.6 yards per carry and 14 touchdowns now when i first saw this compared to every other running back on the list i was like that's too much of a gap right That's too much of a gap between Jonathan Brooks carries and then the next one down, because I guess spoiler alert, he has Cedric Baxter at 93. So I'm like 230 and then the next running back is getting 93. I think it'll be a little bit closer to that. And even though I think that that's pretty similar to what happened last year. So Bijan had 258 carries last year. Roshan only had 93. I did not remember it being that far off. Right. In terms of. Bijan getting that many more carries. So it is a likely scenario that if Jonathan Brooks is going to be the starter, he could get 230 carries. You also have to realize that Bijan, who we force fed last year clearly, got those 258 carries last year in 12 games. If Jonathan Brooks can stay healthy, he'll likely play in 14 games. But I don't think he'll have the workload that Bijan had. I think we'll run the ball a lot less this year. Maybe not a lot, but less than we did Last year, So I think Jonathan Brooks, 230 carries is fair over 14 games instead of 12, 1,288 yards, 5.6 yards per carry and 14 touchdowns. Averaging a touchdown a game would be more than enough for this Texas offense to consider themselves elite in 2023. Now, Cedric Baxter is second on the list, and they projected him at 93 carries for 520 yards, 5.6 yards per carry and six touchdowns. And like I said, my initial reaction was, there's no way that only one running back on this team is going to have more than 100 carries right i think they're too close in terms of talent level you know jonathan brooks is really good but cedric baxter was the number one running back in the country all we've heard about all offseason is how he's matured and looks like a veteran on the team physically he looks like a veteran he posted a picture uh on twitter the other day with edger and james and cedric baxter already looks like an nfl running back like it's crazy what he's been able to do with his body strength and conditioning wise. He was already a big running back at 6'1", like 205 when he stepped on campus. Now he looks like a grown man, right? And so I thought that, okay, he'll have much of a bigger role. But when I looked at it, like I said, Roshan had 93 carries last year for 554 yards, and he was a huge part of the offense. So I think that Cedric Baxter probably will go over 100. I'm sticking with that. But even if it's not too much over 93, he still can be – a huge part of this offense in his true freshman year they're projecting him to have 93 carries 520 yards 5.6 yards per carry and six touchdowns that's a little less in terms of overall production than what Roshon did last year so I think he'll be higher than that in most of those metrics but not too higher based on us running the ball less than how you're going to have to give the majority of the carries to Jonathan Brooks the next player he has on the list is Savion Red and I think that Jaden Blue will definitely get more touches than Savion Red, but I like the line that they presented for Savion. 28 carries for 135 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Not sure exactly what his role will look like. I think it will be pretty uh, defined because of his skill set. But you're going to have to find a way this year to get 35, 40 touches to Savion Red. I also think he might be the best running back on the team in terms of we have a lead late in the fourth quarter. We want to run the clock out. Who are you going to put in there that the other team does not want to tackle? I think the number one player on that list, even though he's not the most talented running back in the room at all, is Savion Red. We saw the way that he was running in the spring game. We saw the way that he was running last year. He just runs violently. And if you have to stop him from getting four or five yards at the end of a game this season to win the game, that's not happening. So I think he's going to be in a very defined role. Also, I think he'll get seven to ten touches this year just in various formations or trick plays using his skill set as a receiver a quarterback and a running back. So I like 28 carries for 135 yards for Savion Red, almost five yards per carry. He would be a huge part of the offense if you could fit that in behind Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks. Keelan Robinson, 25 carries for 96 yards. Uh, You know, I think he's going to get involved in the passing game. I think he'll be involved on special teams as well. I just don't see a scenario in which Keelan Robinson gets 25 carries this year. You know, maybe in games that we've blown out and we just start – you know, force feed on all the running backs that don't normally get touches. But if Texas is in a lot of competitive games this year, you're going to have to stick with your normal running back rotation, which is B. John, Cedric Baxter, and then mostly Jaden Blue after that. So I just don't see a scenario in which Keelan Robinson gets 25 carries, but he's one of my favorite players on the team. And I think he'll still have a huge impact, just not necessarily turning around and handing him the ball. They'll find other ways to keep him involved. And then Jaden Blue, 22 carries for 90 yards and one touchdown. You know, maybe if he gets in the doghouse somehow, maybe if Steve Sarkeesian feels like he's not running downhill enough, excuse me, and he's starting to, you know, dance too much and always looking for the big play. You know, we did see one play in the spring game where it looked like he kind of alligator armed and didn't get full effort on a catch when he could have caught it on the sideline. So, you know, maybe there are some, <clears throat> you know, growing pains or headaches with Jaden Blue, but just in terms of pure talent. I think he's one of the most explosive players on the team. He's a home run waiting to happen. I think he's the most explosive player in this running back room in terms of putting the ball in his hands and he could take it to the crib every single time. So I don't see a scenario in which Jaden blue only gets 22 carries this year. Um, I think he's just too explosive, way too talented for that. And I think, Like I said, anytime you put the ball in his hands, he can hit his head on the goalpost. So I would love to see Jaden Blue be in the 50 to 60 touch range this year. But with so many weapons, you know, in the receiver room and then JT Sanders and then so many weapons in this running back room, it's going to be hard to keep everybody happy and it's hard to make sure everybody touches the ball as much as they want to. So somebody's obviously going to have to suffer or, you know, take a step back and, you know, thankfully the season isn't too far away, and we can stop guessing and see who is actually going to be. A quick word from our sponsors, and we're talking about some NIL updates for the Texas football team and the University of Texas. Good things on that front. So we talked last week uh, on Friday's episode, I believe, about Archimani's Manning's first public NIL deal. Uh, he signed with Panini America, the trading card group, and. There was a lot of pushback. Of course, it's Arch Manning, you know, so people uh, just want to have an opinion either way. But I thought the pushback was lame, honestly. <laughs> you know, I thought the pushback was lame and it was corny, you know. And the reason that he got pushback was because his family, I don't even think he said it directly, but his family said that Arch Manning would not accept the NIL deal until he was the starter at the University of Texas. We had heard that it was widely reported that Arch Manning didn't accept any money, right, when he first got – uh You know, he committed and signed to the University of Texas. Right. They were waiting until he became a starter. So people are now hanging on to that because he announced a NIO partnership with Panini America. Like, oh, he's a hypocrite. And he said he was going to wait till he was a starter. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? It's his name, image and likeness. He never put the quote out. And if people are you know, looking to sign him and looking to give him money, you know what I mean? For his name, image, and likeness, what's wrong with that? Secondly, I think that is corny and lame to call it out now, right? Now, if, you know, towards the middle of the year, he's raking in all these NIL dollars and he said, you know, I don't want to, you know, participate in NIL till I'm a starter, then, you know, go ahead, right? Like, if you if you want to get on Twitter and get your tweets off, like, go ahead. But to criticize him now, when the only NIL venture he has done, The 100% of the proceeds go to charity. And he just raised, without ever taking a college snap, $102,500 for the St. Davis Foundation to even get on Twitter and formulate a tweet criticizing Arch Manning for raising $102,000 for charity. Broke two records, the most or the highest bidded card ever on Panini, I think. And then the highest bidded card on or highest card sold during the NIL era. He broke those two records, never taking a college snap to get on Twitter and criticize him or to criticize him on any platform when he just raised $102,500 for charity, I think is insane. And I think it's so cool that this is the opportunities that NIL provides. Like I said, he might not start until next year. He has not taken a college snap yet, but because of who he is, he can raise $102,500 for charity and he won't get the credit for it. Right? Even the people that aren't, criticizing him I don't think you realize how big that is that he just raised single-handedly by himself $102,000 for charity and there's people on Twitter complaining about it because he said four months ago that he wouldn't accept the NIL deal until he was the starting quarterback at Texas his family said it and now four months later people are mad that he raised $102,500 for charity like seriously like go outside get some sunlight touch some grass and reevaluate yourself Good stuff, Archman. Manning. Love that you're using your name, image, and likeness to benefit real people in the real world. Now, Jake Majors, this one surprised me, right? We know B. John Robinson had the Lamborghini. We've seen, you know, different players on the team with Ferraris and Aston Martins, all of that, right? You know, they're driving around like rappers, not University of Texas football players, but that's the beauty of NIL. But if you would have asked me who was the next player to get a Lamborghini deal at the University of Texas, I would have not guessed Jake Majors, but I think that's super cool. And we had this conversation in our chat and, you know, Homer brought up a good point. Texas Homer is that when you look at these brand deals, it's not always about the flashiest athlete. Right. And who's going to stunt in the Lamborghini and who's going to make you want to go out and buy a Lamborghini, anything like that. Right. It's about if we're endorsing you as a brand. Right. Then you represent our brand. B. John Robinson represented Lamborghini. Jake Majors now represents Lamborghini and Jake Majors is a safe bet right Jake Majors is somebody you know who is going to go out there he's going to go to class he's going to do everything it takes on the football field and you don't have to worry about him getting in trouble off the field right and that's not to say that there are other players on this team that are at risk of getting in trouble off the field but you know you can sleep good at night knowing that Jake Majors represents your brand so I think this is super cool for an offensive lineman at the University of Texas for somebody like Jake Majors to sign with Lamborghini and who knows? You know, this may, you know, entice more offensive linemen to come to the University of Texas uh, and try to get that Lamborghini NIL deal like Jake Major. So huge, huge shout out to him. That's super cool. Obviously, we all want a Lamborghini, right? And now Jake Majors has one courtesy of playing football at the University of Texas. And the last thing I want to do is just shout out the Texas One Fund. Um, you know, I think they've done such a good job of collaborating all of the Texas NIL and putting it together. And they do such a good job of not only making sure that our athletes, you know, have the NIL that they need to, you know, take care of business and they're rewarded for their name, image and likeness, but they do so many good projects. You know, lately they've been releasing the player interviews on Twitter, where they talk about um, how NIL has affected them and what they've been able to do um, through the Texas one fund. And they've done so many, you know, different things like going to the YMCA um, different programs to just help out the community, you know, in Austin. Um, And it's just really cool to see our athletes being able to give back right and be, Uh, you know positive role models and positive young men in the community you know people that uh, you know young kids and, and young aspiring football players can really look up to and it's so powerful that NIL is able to do this right you know like I said, all of those conversations about kids getting scholarships and that being enough was crazy. Right. When Archman can without taking a snap, raise one hundred thousand dollars for charity. And I think it's so cool that these players get to get paid for the work they put in on the football field, get paid for their name, image and likeness. And then they can also use that money to give back to the community as well. It works for everybody. NIL is such a good venture. It should have happened 20 years ago, but it's happening now. And I'm so grateful for it. Thank you for tuning in, tuning in. So another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are that much closer to fall camp, that much closer to September 2nd against Rice. Hook them. Peace. You are Locked On Longhorns. Wrong video. Hook them. Peace.